630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. All right, thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Start of the third period. Penguins lead the Maple Leafs 5-2. Flyers up 4-1 on the Blue Jackets in the second period. Ottawa leading Buffalo 4-2. Canadians up 3-1 on the Red Wings. No score, Devils and Blues. Early second period, Hurricanes and Predators in a 1-1 tie. As I mentioned earlier, the Predators and the Jets, the best non-playoff teams in the Western Conference, both five points behind Edmonton. So Predators in a 1-1 tie with the Hurricanes in the second period. Also in the second, the Jets trailing the Kings 1-0. It's a shoulder issue for Oscar Clefbaum. He will miss two to three weeks. McDavid came back to Edmonton today, but probably uh, still at least a week away from playing. Neil a couple weeks away at least. Chris Russell still in concussion protocol. Nygaard still getting through the broken arm. Cassian suspended for five more games. So a lot of players out for the Oilers. Another tough one tomorrow against Boston. Five o'clock face-off show. Game starts at 6.30. A little bit of an earlier start. 6.30 start tomorrow at Rogers place some trades happening today Brendan Dillon to Washington San Jose gets picks Marco Scandella to St. Louis Montreal gets picks and Dylan DeMello to Winnipeg Ottawa gets a third rounder in 2020 trade deadline is Monday at one as we uh, are you bringing them in from there Kellen as we have Bob Stoffer standing by Thanks for checking in tonight, buddy. How are you doing? Good, Reed. How are you? Good. Thanks for taking the time to join me. I know you got some stuff going on this evening, but, uh, man, a little bit of movement today, some over the weekend. I'm already starting to wonder if it could be a very quiet actual deadline day on Monday the 24th. Well, I think we saw a run on defensemen today. Uh, you know, most managers will tell you you probably need eight, nine, or even ten defensemen. Think back to Calgary in 2004. Uh, you know, they had guys that there only two NHL games that they played were, uh, you know, for the Calgary Flames in the playoffs because they were down to their 10th or 11th G-man. And, and, and again, with the Buffalo Sabres in 2006, I mean, if they didn't run out of defensemen, Edmonton's playing Buffalo in the final instead of playing Carolina. So, because they had, f- I think, five injured defensemen at one point during the course of that series. So we're definitely seeing a run on Demon. And I know what's coming next, which is the obvious question. And that's uh, what's going on with... uh, What's going on with uh, the Edmonton Oilers? And I would say nothing at this stage. So... And, you know, I've gotten, Rob and I have gotten questions about Adam Larson after games. Do you trade him? Uh, a caller the other day wanted to trade Chris Russell, and Rob made that exact point. You, I mean, if if Caleb Jones keeps playing well and Clefbaum's going to come back, what a luxury it would be to have Chris Russell able to jump into the lineup in a playoff situation if it gets to that. I wonder here what the Oilers are going to do. I, I haven't seen anything about a call-up, Bob, unless I missed something in the last few minutes. Uh, are we going to see Pearson or somebody like that up just to have another D-man around? I don't know. That's a good question. I mean, there's two ways to do it. Like, look, that, that's established that what's happening here with Clefbaum is similar to what happened with Nugent Hopkins after the Oilers got the weekend sweep in Vegas and Arizona. And Ryan missed about six games there. So, it, you know, there's a, there's a little procedure that gets done. It uh, helps alleviate some of the pain, allows the guy to play through it the rest of the season. Hopefully that's the case. And the thought process, I believe, is get it done right now. That's the And maybe you've already explained that on the show. My apologies if you have. Um, so, in other words, what I'm saying to you is in two weeks, I expect Oscar Clefbaum back in the lineup. Um, the orders are so up against it against the cap 
that, uh, you know, there might be an argument to be made, Reed, that the, you, you, you take your you take your chances here. You don't call anybody up for the two games. And then if you have to emergency recall when we're down in Los Angeles, Anaheim, and Vegas, it's a, it, you know, it's a quick flight or a quick drive away, and you can emergency recall for the day. Because that doesn't affect you with call-ups down the road. When you get once you get to the trade deadline, you got a clear day roster. You got so many players up and so many players. You're only allowed four recalls on that clear day roster once you paper guys through. So uh, I'm sure Ken Holland and Keith Gretzky and Bill Scott are, are sort of factoring in the different options. I realize most of the fans would sit there and say, "Well, you got to bring up a seventh defenseman." Um, based on what I've watched in Bakersfield. There's only one defenseman to recall, and it's probably not the guy a lot of fans, you know, they want to be very patient and deliberate with the Evan Bouchard, but the the other two guys, Person and, and, and Brandon Manning, or, you know, Sam Rukov's clearly not an option. He's not even close to being ready. Keegan Lowe's a veteran guy. I guess you could bring him up as a seven. That might be an option. But I wonder whether or not Bouchard may be the guy if they do go that route, if they end up recalling somebody. Yeah, somebody, a texter asked about him, and I, I said, I don't know, just because, I mean, ideally, they want him down there the whole year, right? But, but again, maybe if it's just for a couple games, he comes up and either doesn't play or, or plays on the third pair. That That is an interesting name to watch for sure. Um, quickly here, just some thoughts on tomorrow's game I mean the Oilers are beat up Boston is a great team the Oilers played a really good game against them a few weeks ago you know three and one without McDavid is good but but man Bob the longer you go without some of these top players the the tougher it's going to get the longer you go, the more it buys time with Connor McDavid potentially not feeling like he has to rush back and be a savior uh, for the team. But, Reed, make no mistake, the Edmonton Oilers are going to be playing Boston's number one goalie. It's going to be Tuka Rast tomorrow. It's not going to be Yaroslav Halak. Uh, don't forget, they got what I would suggest one, possibly two pretty weak goals against Halak in that 4-1 Saturday afternoon victory. Only the second uh, regulation loss for Boston at home at that stage of the season. Uh, and they're going to have six guys that played in that game, including the entire first line, but combined for the insurance goal, the 3-1 goal, out. All right, we've already discussed with David. Cassian suspended. No James Neal. Uh, Nygaard was in the lineup, had a breakaway in that game, had a couple real good scoring opportunities, and Clefbaum and Russell both played. So six guys that were in the lineup. This is, I'll tell you right now, if they win that game tomorrow night against Boston Reed, you start thinking about, a t- you know, it's, you know, this this thing's going to happen. And, and the, I know the sport club stats, and you quote that, they would suggest this thing's going to happen. But you win that one tomorrow night, and I think it's a sign that you're building something with your team. Bob, I know you got stuff going on, buddy. Thanks for checking in. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Call anytime, Reed. See you. Bye-bye. All right, that's Bob Stoffer, Oilers now host, noon to 2 every day on 6.30, Chet. So Bob's a little bit more on the possibility of Bouchard coming up than I am. We'll see how that shakes down. He did explain they could ride these next two games out with 6D. And then if you go to California and need somebody, you could sneak in an emergency recall. You're obviously much closer to Bakersfield. And I I know a lot of you as fans love trade suggestions. And if you've been listening to me for any length of time, I'm not a big fan of trade suggestions in general. I'm certainly more willing to talk about them at this time of year when we're leading up to the deadline. But again, the big issue for the Oilers is they have virtually no cap space. You know, I'm seeing stuff floating around on Twitter. Well, trade Puliyarvi in a pick for Tatar. You can't. You can't. You can't legally do that. 
you know, Tatar is, and even if you try to bury contracts in the minors, part of them still count against your cap. So very, very difficult for the Oilers to bring in a player uh, of any significance. Elliot Friedman did report, and this was interesting, that the Oilers, the one player they might have given up the first-round pick for was Blake Coleman out of New Jersey because he's already has 21 goals on the season and is he's signed for next year at only $1.8 million. So that's a pretty inexpensive... I mean, even if he came to the Oilers and got 15 next year, that that's that's pretty good. And, and he could certainly help down the stretch, but he was then traded to Tampa Bay anyway. But Friedman did say that's the one player the Oilers might give up a first-rounder for. Um, Ken Holland, in a, when did he do that scrum? Last week, I think, yeah, when he announced the McDavid injury, and he was asked about trading the first-round pick, and he said, well, what if we miss the playoffs? Jim on line one, seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Go ahead, Jim. Hi, how you doing? Good. You you answered a lot of my questions by getting back to Kovalchuk. Sure. He's only a mil a year, isn't he? He's only seven fifty. That's the that's the one player you could find a way to fit him in, and uh, he's been doing okay with the Canadians. And maybe you wouldn't have to give up a huge price for him. I mean, I don't know if you heard Jim Bob and I were talking about somebody asked about Max Domi on the weekend. So Bob and I talked about it, and and Bob said the Canadians would want Ryan Nugent Hopkins. I mean, nobody wants to trade the Nuge, right? No. For no, Kovalchuk, that, that won't happen. Maybe, like, Kovalchuk, you know, maybe if Montreal decides, if Montreal decides that, that, that they're going to sell, and I don't know why they wouldn't. I mean, they're fourth last in the East. They're yeah. eight points out of a playoff spot. They need a little toughness too, don't they? Uh, Oster, the Canadians. The Canadians. So who are you thinking going the other way? I'd say a second-round pick and uh, Kara. Okay. All right. Thanks, Jim. Appreciate it. Hey, you guys are great. I'm listening to you every night that I can get you on the air from D.C. Oh, awesome. (laughs) Well, we appreciate that, Jim. Enjoy the games. Yeah, and I'll be calling again sometime. Okay. Look forward to that for sure. That is Jim, 780-496-0063. Also, one of the, uh, you, you might be the longest-serving regular caller ever since I started hosting the show, Jared. What's on your mind? Uh, I just wanted just to make a I was going to call in a while back just about the Edmonton-Calgary rivalry, and I took some time to, to uh, tabulate some very interesting statistics in terms of, like, penalty minutes. Okay. And I'll just give it to you quickly. In the last 81 games, Edmonton has played Calgary. This goes from 2006 to the very last game. Okay. Where Mike Smith was, was fighting. There have been 53 fights and 2,365 penalty minutes. Okay. In, in the first 10 years, from 1981 to 1991, there was 124 fights and 6,046 penalty minutes, so almost pretty close to almost three times as much. The main, the main thing that's interesting is that in the first 10 years, there was nine line brawls. Right. And there was 15 games that had 100 penalty minutes or more, okay. and there was five games that had 200 penalty minutes or more, and in like the modern, the last 81 games, there's the only game that's had over 100 penalty minutes was the last one. So I thought those were fairly and funny. interesting statistics. And we just went through the game. And the only thing I just want to say about Leon Dreisaitl, um, 
it does get annoying because when I, I'm working out, I see like some of the East Coast commentary on TV, and I don't know what it is about Leon Dreisett or why he doesn't get the credit. But I called in earlier this year and I said the Oilers have the two best players in the world, and Leon Dreisett to me is the MVP, and um, every aspect of his game except for his little little um, dry spell in December, and I kind of think that a lot of the mistakes he makes is possibly uh, because he tries too hard, but all of the, the aspects of his game, the face-off, the defensive zone, he can kill penalties, he's doing it all. So I don't know how anyone can can make the comment, like those analytics guys, like some of the stuff I heard earlier on the show, that doesn't even make sense, right? Yeah. You're, you're not even watching the game at that point. But for me, Leon, is the, the hard if, – if they can get through this stretch – where where Connor's out and they're still in the playoffs, I think he will win um, the MVP, barring that the Oilers do make the playoffs. But it's unfortunate for Leon because he's a fan, fantastic hockey player. He can he can do everything out there, and he just continues to get better. Jared, good to hear from you. Thanks for those penalty stats. That's really cool. Yeah, no, I took a little bit of time, but I, I kind of <laughs> found it very interesting. Okay, see you, Jared. 780-496-0063. Mike, I'll get to your phone call after a quick timeout here. Inside Sports on Chet. Friday, quick two-game homestand for Edmonton. Also want to let you know the Golden Bears hockey team will play UBC in a best-of-three Canada West semifinal. UBC upsetting Mount Royal to advance. So that's going to be Friday at 7, Saturday at 7, and if necessary, Sunday at 7. Best-of-three series. Golden Bears heavily favored going into that one. We have Mike holding on line one. Mike, thank you for calling. Hey, Reed. Uh, just a quick question for you. With all these guys on the reserve, I'm just wondering how long it takes before they get to the point where we do actually get a little bit of cap relief from them. Thank you very much. A uh, long-time listener. Have a good day. Yeah, appreciate it, Mike. Well, basically, I mean, yeah, you have to put... If, if you really want cap relief that you can bank on having, you have to put someone on long-term injured reserve. So, you know, you get... You get some temporary cap uh, relief if somebody is on injured reserve, but you can't bank on having that for a long time. Mike is still on the line. Mike, does that answer your question? Yes, you bet. Okay. Yeah, so, I mean, you can't just say, you know, you got a whole bunch of money that you can go spend. Like, there is that one example from a few years ago where Patrick Kane got hurt really bad. So the Hawks put him on long-term injured reserve, and then in the playoffs, they were technically over the salary cap because they acquired all these other guys. And then when Kane was activated, they, the salary cap doesn't exist in the playoffs. But for the Oilers, it doesn't look like anybody's going to be hurt long enough where they could get significant relief. Does that make sense? Gotcha, because that's the one that was sticking out in my mind, too. Yeah. No, that's a good question for sure. Thanks, man. Thank you. Okay, that is Mike, 780-496-0063. Yeah, I mean, I was just looking at uh, at Cap Friendly, and they have the Oilers at uh, just over a million dollars for the uh, cap they would have at the at the trade deadline. 
So, yeah, I mean, like, like I said, I, I, I know it's not what a lot of you want to hear. It, it's going to be tough to bring in to bring in somebody, and, and I know, okay, well, move out Kara, move out Gagne, but you got to remember, do do a lot of guys, do, do other teams really want those players? And that's nothing against those type of players, but if you're another NHL team, you have your version of Sam Gagne or Jujar Kara. Right, and if you have your version of Gagne, you're probably already paying him less than what Gagne is actually being paid. So, that's you know, and and again, you know, Gagne's done well in his role. Kara's clearly had a tough year, so I don't know if other teams are looking at the Oilers roster and saying, "Oh yeah, that's who I want." I mean, they're not going to go out of their way to to help the Oilers, but uh, could maybe try to get a, a depth defenseman somewhere especially with some injuries here. And, and as Bob was talking about, I'm sure everybody remembers the 06 playoffs because of what the Oilers did. But yeah, Buffalo was down to their 11th D in the conference final against Carolina. So the Oilers could want a little bit of security there. They, they would love to get a winger to play with McDavid. I don't know if that happens here. Maybe you could get a bit of a depth forward that has a little more dimension than some of the Oilers' current depth forward have. But... I, I, the Oilers aren't getting a, a star gunner here to come in. And I don't think Ken Holland sees the team in the position where he would want to get a rental. I mean, how how close... The Oilers are a good team. Are they a great team? I don't think so. I mean, even if they get in the playoffs and continue playing well, I, I don't think they're a Stanley Cup favorite. But hey, make the tournament. Who knows what happens? This portion of the show presented by Furnace Family. Experience the Furnace Family difference. Your Furnace Replacement Specialist with over 500 five-star Google reviews. Call 7804-FAMILY or visit FurnaceFamily.com. Eskimos receiver Jimmy Ralph in the next half hour. on Toronto last minute of the third Philly's going to beat Columbus Flyers are up 5-1 four minutes left in Ottawa Senators lead the Sabres 5-4 early in the third in Detroit Montreal has a 3-1 lead Shea Weber back in action for that game Jeff Petrie has scored his ninth of the season late second period St. Louis leading New Jersey 1-0 three minutes left in the second period Hurricanes leading the Predators 3-1 and after two Winnipeg leading the Los Angeles Kings 3-1 Oilers and Bruins tomorrow Oscar Clefbaum will miss two to three weeks shoulder issue here's head coach Dave Tippett Clef's been dealing with this for a little bit and uh Finally got to the point where we we wanted to have a look at it, and uh, he's uh, got a little procedure done. It's going to be out uh, two weeks for sure, maybe a little bit more, but uh, certainly a big hole. It takes a lot of minutes, but just like the rest of our injuries right now, it's next man up, and uh, we've got some young defensemen that have been looking for more opportunity, and they're going to get more now, so we'll see how they do. So at practice today, Caleb Jones was with Adam Larson. Lagason, 
who's been a healthy scratch, was with Matt Banning and Nurse and Bear remain together. Some guests on Inside Sports get gift certificates to Northern Chicken, bringing down South Comfort Food to Edmonton with their creative take on Southern Classics, spun with a modern twist. Mike Smith, the expected starter in goal tomorrow against Boston, and uh, obviously up front, the Oilers still missing McDavid, Neal, Cassian, Nygaard, Chris Russell still out on the back end. The Oilers able to do pretty well on the road trip. The uh, the big line, dry settle Nugent Hopkins and Yamamoto led the way. You had some other good contributions. And of all the depth signings that Ken Holland made in the offseason, the two that have really worked out are Riley Shane and Josh Archibald. Archibald signed in July. Uh, Shane wasn't signed until September, and I know some people were skeptical, and I get it. Hey, if he's a free agent all summer, how good can he be? He's helped the penalty kill. He's a decent skater. He's finished a, you know, a few scoring opportunities. He's not a great offensive player. Archibald is just like a little wrecking ball out there, doesn't play with any fear at all, and he's shown that he can finish some opportunities. He finished two of them in Carolina on Sunday. Dave Tippett on that duo. Well, they've been really good. Like, they're just, they're good pros. They come up, they show, they put the work in every day. Uh, we put young Benson with them the last two games, and he's been really, really good. You know, they've, they've really helped him along. So they're just, they're good pros that understand their role and understand how hard they have to work and understand their contribution to help us win. And, uh, you know, they, they show up every day with the work boots on and, and real good, real good guys to have on your team. Tyler Benson, I think, has really benefited the last couple of games by playing with Shannon Archibald. They're, they're reliable players. Archibald has a little bit of finish, and he helped Benson get that first career assist. Benson clogged the zone, fed Archibald, rich hot score, and Edmonton strikes twice in a span of 28 seconds. Dry settle with Ajo back. Jordan is Archibald, centering pass Archibald, rich hot score! Josh Archibald wins the game! 4-3, Edmonton in Jack Michaels with the call. Archibald with his fourth career two-goal game and his first career overtime winner against the Hurricanes. And he was talking to Jack about those big weekend wins. A big confidence boost for the team. You know, yeah, we are missing a lot of guys. But, um, you know, it just came down to heart and the will to win. We battled hard. We played simple. We stuck to our game plan. And, you know, we were lucky enough to come out on top. Schmitty made some great saves. And, you know, Drat and their line did some work again for us uh, that night. And, you know, it was a huge win for us. Everybody's everybody's fighting for the playoffs. Look at fifth place to first place, two points. So it's it's going to be a tight race all the way down. And we need everyone we can get. It seems like the O's have played some hellacious overtimes. That overtime had just about everything, the back-to-back saves, and then uh, your second coming at the other end. Yeah, it was crazy, but I mean, like I said after the game, when Smitty pulls out like that and makes two great saves for us, you know, we got to do something for him, and Drap made a great play to me, and I was lucky enough to, you know, get a stick on it and get it in. I was going to say, if there's one guy you want to have it on his backhand in that situation, Leon would be the guy. Correct. Yeah, that guy, that guy can pass better on his backhand than a lot of guys can on their forehand. So it's definitely the guy you want to have with the puck. So uh, just uh, a word on Dave Tippett. Just uh, the, the little things he's done here on the ice at the end of late games. Granny hasn't been here in two months. He's on there in a in a tight spot late in the game. Tyler Benson, his third game the other night. He's he's on the ice with you know two minutes to go 
it, it seems like your coach has made a conscious effort to kind of bring everyone into this mix. Yeah, and I think he uh, he knows his players really well, what their strengths are. Uh, he knows who's playing well and the type of game, that, or the type of player that we need to throw at in certain situations. And I think he's done a great job for us all year long. You know, he's he's brought a team together here, and we've been playing as you know as more of a team now than ever. So it's really good, especially with some of the guys we've had out. But you know, he's done a tremendous job, and he's a great coach, and we're lucky to have him right now. He was saying similarly to putting Yamamoto when Drysaddle and Nuge were starting to get going. That's why he put Benson with you and Riley because you're in a really good patch right now. When your coach uses you as an example, I imagine that's an extra shot of confidence. Yeah, it definitely is, and I think confidence is a big thing in this time of the year. Uh, you want to have confidence so you can make plays and help the team out in any way, but yeah, you know, she and I have been playing together for the majority of the year, and I think, uh, you know, just the chemistry that we've got together right now and, you know, to be able to bring Benson in, and he's a good skilled player, and I mean, he showed that. He's, you know, he should have three or four points now, you know, a couple goals, a couple assists, you know, the goalies have made great saves or defense have had good blocks but you know he's a player he's a player's player too and he's good so I mean it's been he's been a good fit for us right now finally I'll go back to another busy stretch where he played real good hockey came out of it and then there was a little bit of a lull Arizona and then the home game against San Jose very kind of similar scenario at least to me from the outside emotional wins great wins we've got some confidence behind us we got the good everybody's playing uh, I think we just gotta you know keep things simple you know you don't want to go too high. You don't want to be too low. So just got to stay even keel. Uh, obviously, it was a great win, but we just got to you know keep the momentum going. Basically, battle through every shift, every game we can right now. All right, a little bit there from Josh Archibald. A uh, couple big goals from him against Carolina on Sunday. And an epic call by Jack Michaels. No doubt about that. Inside Sports on 6-3, Chad. We'll connect with Jimmy Ralph in a few minutes. Uh, just some other notes. I mentioned Golden Bears hockey this weekend. Golden Bears basketball is at home. The The playoff format in Canada West basketball continues to be absurd. I'm not going to go too far down that road tonight. But basically, the Golden Bears host Lethbridge at the Savile Saturday at 2 in a quarterfinal. Two other teams are also playing here in Edmonton, and then they'll play in a semifinal on Sunday. There are four other teams playing in Calgary, and the winner of that mini-tournament will play the winner of this mini-tournament for the Canada West Championship. Well, there, I pretty much did explain it. Anyway, uh, Golden Bears and Pandas Volleyball, both home in Canada West playoff series Thursday through Saturday, both playing Saskatchewan. It'll be the men at six, women at eight at the Savile Center. Uh, excellent Canada West Volleyball. I wish I had more opportunities to go see the Bears and Pandas play, so keep that in mind. Kellen, did you see the CFL note today from Randy Ambrosi? I have not. What's okay, up? so, well, we talked last week about how uh, baseball is sort of considering this proposal where you could pick your first-round playoff opponent, okay, right? Okay, yeah. So Randy Ambrosi is floating this idea. You would still have the East and West divisions in the CFL, the two first-place teams at the end of the regular season would get a bye and would host the league semifinals. Fair enough, It wouldn't be the yeah. division finals, necessarily. Then teams three through six would be seeded three through six with, with no regard to division. Okay. And then once those two games are played, the number one seed would pick their opponent for the semifinal. 
and then the second place team would get whoever was left over. Okay, so say free beats four, Dave, or sorry, free so beats say six. Three I beats should six say. and four beats five. Yeah. the first place team would get to choose between three and four. Oh, which I don't like as much in football because it's single elimination and there's there are fewer right. teams in the playoffs. In the baseball thing, I don't I don't mind it. The the baseball thing doesn't bother me much. I don't know if I would like it in the CFL. I like that he's somewhat getting away from a pure East-West Grey Cup. You know what I say? One division, just have a league, nine teams, top six make the playoffs, top two get a bye, host the semis, play that off, go to the Grey Cup. I like there. that a lot more, yes. I yes. like your way. Yeah. Well, finally, somebody agrees with one of my I agree ideas. with you. Mark that down, everybody. Jimmy Ralph, one of the new Edmonton Eskimos, former U of A Golden Bear, when we get back. Clefbaum on 630Ched.com or globalnews.ca. Two weeks, maybe up to three with the shoulder injury. Connor McDavid coming back to Edmonton today. He was uh, in Toronto. He, he is not going to play tomorrow. I know a couple people have said, oh, what up? No, he's not going to play tomorrow as he continues to get over the quad injury. So CFL free agency started last week, and the Eskimos have netted Canadian receiver Jimmy Ralph, who knows all about playing in Edmonton and uh, has a family history with the Edmonton Eskimos. Jimmy, welcome back to Inside Sports. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Reed. Thanks for having me. It's great to have you on the show. Welcome to Edmonton. Welcome to the Edmonton Eskimos. You signed as a free agent last week, and it was uh, kind of a kind of a interesting few days for you, the whole experience of a free agency, uh, you know, ending your tenure with the Argos and then, and then finding a new team. Let's start with sort of how things wound down for you. Uh, as a Toronto Argo. Yeah, it's uh, it's actually an interesting situation. This is my first time being a free agent. So, I mean, you finished the season. It didn't go well for us in Toronto last year. And so, you know, you're going into your free agent's off season. So you, you assume you're a free agent, but then you realize you're not a free agent until February. So it's kind of a waiting period where you just kind of focus on your goals and, you know, try and work and try and forget about all that. But then when the new year starts, you kind of know what's coming up. And then, so it's kind of an interesting uh, phase. I've never really dealt with that as, I mean, as a pro. So I'm kind of happy to be able to make my decision and make Edmonton home and, and now focus on the thing I love, which is football. You know, w- when you actually become a free agent, tell me a little bit about, where, you know, do you talk to teams? Did you have an agent representing representing you? Did you ever feel sort of rushed to make a decision? I, I mean, you know, to take a sort of how, how an athlete uh, deals with this because it's a very interesting prospect process and sometimes it's unique for each player yes uh i had an agent so i i worked with uh rob fry he's a well-recognized cfl agent he did some great work for me and you know i also have connections with my brothers my brothers have played in this league for a few years as well so a lot of familiar faces that i had some connections there but but yeah like i said you really don't become a free agent until i mean as of last week when they could start talking to us so I mean, you hear rumblings and things like that, but nothing's made official or there's no phone calls made until until last week. And so then they kind of start coming and you kind of wait for the bigger names and the bigger prospects to go first. And then you kind of weigh that out and talk with your agent. And in my situation with my parents and my brothers and people that are familiar with the business side of things and kind of made a decision to, to make Edmonton home. 
So it was it was a fun process. It was, I mean, like I said, I love the football side of things more than the business side. So I'm I'm happy to be done it. But it was it was fun to kind of go through that and make that decision with my family, and and it worked out great. Now, did the fact that you lived in Edmonton a few years ago when you were U of A Golden Bear did, did like does that at all factor in your decision? You know, I know I know your university life is separate than your pro life. But it's not yeah. like you're coming yeah. to a city that you're totally unfamiliar with. So how much of an impact did having been a Golden Bear play into this? Well, I think it definitely played its, its role. But uh, going into offseason, I kind of thought, you know, what do I want to make the priorities and making my decisions? And, you know, I, I'd always wanted to be close to home, but I wasn't going to make a decision based solely on that. I wanted to, I'm in a position where, you know, I'm waiting for an opportunity to let my uh, my talent show. And uh, in Toronto, they gave me a lot of opportunities, but I was ready to make that next step. So. I wanted to find a place that was comfortable for me, obviously location-wise, but I wanted to be in a good football situation where I had opportunities to make plays and help my team win. And so, you know, that was kind of where I went. But as I started making the decisions and narrowing the process down, I, I realized that Edmonton was there and then just being close to home, you know, going to school here. My brother played here for as a pro numerous times for years. So it was just a comfortable situation that when it came down to it, I... I could make that that decision and have some peace of mind after I made the decision. So, yeah, Edmonton was where, you know, I'd loved growing up watching as a fan. I mean, I was a Stampeder and an Eskimo fan, both my brothers playing, but, but Edmonton's probably I'm more comfortable with the city than I would be Calgary, even though it's closer to where I'm from, being from Southern Alberta. How much do you remember, I, I think you're 12 or 13 years apart, how much do you remember Brock being an Edmonton Eskimo? Oh, I for sure remember that. I remember... I was probably in like I think grade four, five, six when he first started, and and I was all in. I knew every every player on the team. I followed that team. They were good then too. They were kind of the it was them in Montreal. That was with Ricky Ray, and uh, oh, I was I was all in. I could have named every player, every number. And it's funny because you see familiar faces on the coaching staff now. With you know, once in October, I remember him returning balls as a kid. You know, taking long returns to the house and. You know, Demetrius Maxey's there, A.J. Gass. So guys that I, you know, grew up watching. And so seeing my brother and then, you know, Ricky Ray. I mean, that's that's what I think of when I think Edmonton Eskimos as a kid. It's Ricky Ray leading the way. And then I ended up getting, getting to share a great cup experience and a championship with him. And so it's crazy how things kind of come full circle. And, and here I am in this position. It's kind of a dream come true. Jimmy Ralph joining us on Inside Sports. Receiver signed with the Eskimos last week, coming back to Edmonton, used to play for the U of A Golden Bears. So tell me a little bit about Scott Milanovic. You know, this was a coach who was in the CFL, very highly regarded. He went to the NFL for a few seasons. Now he's back in Edmonton. Um, you know, I know you never played for him before, but clearly he comes with a very good reputation. What, have you been able to talk to him? What, you know, do you know any little bit about how, what your role in the offense is going to be? I'm just curious your initial impressions. Or if Milanovic being here uh, factored into your decision at all? Oh, yeah, like uh, I'd heard of Scott Milanovic. Obviously, he's been around the league for years. And, and the thing that made me comfortable, I'd never met him before, and I still haven't yet to the facilities, and he was he's out of town at the moment. But the thing that made me comfortable is I grew up, uh, well, my first few years in the league, um, I was under uh, Coach Mark Tressman, and uh, I think that they run similar offenses, and I think Scott Milanovic learned under him and kind of branched and made his own offense based off of what he learned from Coach Tressman. So, you know, that kind of that kind of helped me in making my decision as well, just knowing that I'm familiar with kind of you know the verbiage and the language that we talk as an offense, and just to kind of get a head start that way. But I'm looking forward to meeting them because I mean I, you know, the league's a small league, and we get to know each other and we talk, and 
And I've when I signed him signed with Edmonton, I've had calls from numerous guys that have played under Scott Milanovic, and and they spoke highly of him, and they said, you know, he's going to love you, and he's great at assessing talent and and using guys to the best of their abilities. And so, you know, that just made me excited because that was confirming things that I'd heard, you know, previously, just being under Coach Tressman and knowing that, you know, he'd gone down to the states and done his NFL stint at that time. But just hearing good things, you know, that that also made us a little more comfortable. Jimmy, what's the next step for you as a player? You, you know, you had some pretty respectable stats last season. You know, you're coming into a pretty good receiving core. Everybody always wants the ball, right? But what's uh, where do you want to see yeah. your game go this year? I think I'm. I think I'm. You know, I'm going into my fourth year now, and I had I had some great opportunities and and playing time in my first three years with Toronto. But I think I'm just ready to take that next step to take a bigger role as a receiver. I think I've, you know, I haven't had a ton of targets as many as I'd like, but, you know, I was doing my job and to the best of my abilities. And I take pride in just being a consistent guy that, you know, is reliable with his hands and, you know, does what a receiver supposed to do is move those chains and, and do that and just be consistent and every day work hard and, and hope that things just fall in place. So I guess I'm just ready to take on a bigger role. Um, I feel like I've matured as a, as a pro and, kind of learned a lot of things and I got a lot more to learn but yeah just taking that next step and I think uh I go into camp and do what I can and, and keep my off-season plans intact then I think uh, I'll be in a good situation to to help this team win another great cup because this is the city of championships and city of champions and that's what they want here and and that's what I want to deliver so if, you know if they give me that next role I'm ready to take that and and run with it and and have success in the city okay and f- final question you're from Alberta. You mentioned your family. You mentioned you're going to be a little closer to your family. Have you worked out how many tickets you're going to be getting per game? Uh, have all of a sudden the Ralph family been flooding the Eskimos office with calls to buy season's tickets or single game tickets? What's going on there? Well, it's going to be interesting because, you know, when I was in Toronto and I come out to Edmonton, everybody wanted to come watch the game. So I had to round up, you know, 20-some tickets, sometimes even more than that. So, Maybe it'll slow down now that they can see me a little more. They might get sick of me, and I might only have to get a few. But if it's anything like it's been, I'm, I'm going to have to have them get some season tickets. All right. Well, Jimmy, it's, it's, it's great to have you on the show. And, uh, you know, really good signing here for the Eskimos. Good move for you. I can tell you're excited, and we're looking forward to talking to you throughout the season as well. Thanks a lot for your time tonight. Thanks so much, Reed. Have a great day. That's Jimmy Ralph from your Edmonton Eskimos. Final look at the scoreboard. Penguins beat Toronto 5-2. Flyers down the Blue Jackets 5-1. Start of the third. Ottawa up 5-4 on Buffalo. Six minutes left. It's now 3-3 Canadians and Red Wings. Early third, St. Louis up 1-0 on New Jersey. Also early in the third, Hurricanes leading Nashville 3-1. 12 minutes left in Winnipeg. Jets lead the Kings 4-2. Clefbaum, the latest injured Oiler. Two to three weeks, shoulder. Oilers, Bruins tomorrow. Five o'clock face-off show here on 6.30. Ched, play-by-play at 6.30. I will talk to you then. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.